0: Learn more at howlifeunfoldscom papertarian. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200k for 1/8 ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's PACASO.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: This is VEASAN's College Basketball Betting Podcast.
0: Here is your host, Tim Murray.
1: Welcome in everyone. Another edition of the V College Basketball Betting Podcast. Running alongside Matt Humans, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt 247 I am Tim Murray. We had a thrilling Final Four opener as San Diego State, thanks to Lamont Butler's jumper at the buzzer, beats Florida Atlantic 72 to 71. And that's why you take the points, boys and girls. And don't just say, well, you know, they're either going to win or they're going to lose by more than three. We took the points. And uh, fortunately for Matt, he didn't get many angry texts from me uh, because of that. And uh, we are one win in the books. And hopefully another one to come on Monday night as Matt gave out UConn to win the title at minus 108 at Circa when we recorded on Thursday. And now wherever you look, Westgate minus $4 Circa minus 370 for UConn. So the rollover money line uh, parlay police out there can uh, be quiet because the money line rollover would not have been better than the odds that were hung earlier on the week. So, you know, Matt, as we take a look to uh, Monday here in just a moment, just a a thought or two from what we saw on Saturday night in San Diego State 72-71 win and also UConn's another double-digit triumph for the uh, the Huskies, winning seventy-two to fifty-nine.
2: It's interesting that uh, almost everyone I've talked to or heard from in the past twenty-four hours uh, thinks UConn's going to crush San Diego State on Monday night, and that concerns me a little bit. Partly because I have so much money riding on UConn, but also because you know I don't think it's going to be that easy. San Diego State has a way of dragging you into its type of game, uh, Aztecs are athletic, long, physical, uh, resilient team, and they play a lot of tight games. And it's not like UConn hasn't had, you know, a couple struggles in this tournament. The Huskies trailed Iona by two at halftime in the first round, led St. Mary's by one at halftime in the second round. Every game has not been a complete runaway, even though that's a perception, because going into uh, Saturday, UConn had won its four games by 17.5 points. I mean, I still like UConn to win the game quite a bit Monday night and uh, I'm going to be stunned absolutely stunned if that does not happen I just think uh, the Huskies the most complete team on both ends of the floor and you can't really find a weakness and they're hot right now and that's uh that's a big part of it and I think the um, Huskies are going to win this game Monday night I'm trying to debate right now what to do because I've got a few bets on UConn minus 108 minus 110 minus 115 on UConn to win this title and uh you know, I want to give myself maybe a middle shot and not be totally exposed on it uh, Monday, Monday night, even though I'm not sweating it. I always like to shoot for a middle if you can get it. So if I could get plus eight with San Diego State on Monday, I'll probably bet a small percentage on that. Um, but I, it looks to me like a game that UConn's probably going to win between six to 12 points, something like that. Uh, I see seven and a half out there pretty much every book right now. There is one offshore, a couple offshores with eight. I think you are going to see some eights pop up on Monday. If you do like the San Diego State side, you'll be able you'll have a chance to grab eight. I was surprised, Tim, that circa opened this number at UConn minus six really a low number. Yep. Um, I was at the Westgate Superbook, and when the games game was winding down last night, we were debating what the number was going to be, and I said I think it's going to be at least seven, and probably seven and a half, and I might even be a little bit low. On that, because I don't know how many people are going to want to bet the Aztecs. It's going to be the public's going to be all over UConn, and I understand that. So I'm, I'm more impressed with most than most with uh, San Diego State just because when you watch them on defense, everybody but Tremel, the point guard, is interchangeable. They can play every position, they can guard every position. There's a reason this team beat Alabama in the Sweet 16. Uh, it's not like San Diego State's a bunch of chumps. So I'm not totally dismissing uh, the Aztecs going into this game, but I think UConn, without a doubt, the complete team. And now that we know that Jordan Hawkins is back and uh, healthy, even though he spent two days eating saltine crackers, I, I thought he played pretty well for the most part uh, Saturday night. So that's kind of my perception going into it is hopefully this is not like the uh, women's NCAA championship game where for For two days, all you heard about was how Iowa and Caitlin Clark were going to beat LSU and everybody bet up Iowa. And Tim, you and I took the points with LSU plus three and a half, a classic, it was a classic situational spot, a great spot for the underdog uh, Sunday to take LSU in the women's game. Uh, I don't think that's going to play out that way Monday night, though. I'm I'm pretty confident in UConn.
1: I texted, I, I have a... As we all probably do, a group of uh, texts that uh, include some gambling buddies, guys you trust their opinion, believe in their opinion. So um, I have a, I have a, a group of uh, two guys that I always text with, and I said, quote, I have bet zero women's games this year. I feel like we have to take LSU plus three and a half. Uh-huh. And uh, they won 102 to 85. Um, yeah, I know there was some bad officiating and a terrible technical foul, but it doesn't matter. LSU – wasn't missing at 59 points in the first half, but you're right. I mean, it was a, 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 a spot that you and I look for all the time, especially when we talk about college football or college basketball uh, you know, betters, especially this time of year, very reactionary to what they saw. And, you know, that was a case in point right there. They beat the unbeatable South Carolina as a double digit underdog. And then, you know, everybody's talking about them. Caitlin Clark drops 41 and uh, LSU, Uh, you know, took it to them on Sunday. So, or excuse me, Saturday. No, Sunday. No, we're right. Um, So I I guess that does kind of bring up an interesting point about, you know, this particular game, as you mentioned, because UConn, you know, the stats are out there. They uh, they have become, Matt, since the field has expanded to 64 and now 68 teams in 1985. They are the sixth team to win all five of their first games by double digits, joining the likes of, Michigan State in 2000, Duke in 2001, UNC in 2009, UNC in 2016, and Villanova in 2018. And four of those teams, Matt, went on to win the championship by double figures. The only one to lose was UNC in 2016 when Chris Jenkins hit one of the most memorable shots uh, in NCAA tournament history to beat them 77-74 to give Villanova the national championship. So, yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth. I piggybacked you on that that price, uh, UConn, to win the title. So, you know, we are sitting in an advantageous spot to try to set ourselves up with the middle. Um, You know, let's get to the size of San Diego State because one thing that I thought would be an issue for Miami was the lack of size and the lack of depth. Right. They had Norchad O'Mir, 6'7, big guy, uh, but no one really behind him. San Diego State, Matt, a team that you know well, we've both watched Mountain West basketball a whole a, a whole hell of a lot this year. They've got Nathan Menset, at 6'10, and then off the bench, they've got Ladie at 6'9. Do they have enough size to slow down Adama Sinogo and then Klingon coming off the bench, even though Klingon really didn't do all that much in the final four? But Sinogo has been the most outstanding player probably uh, in this NCAA tournament.
2: That's a good question. I actually think uh, the Aztecs size and athletes are going to give uh, UConn a different type of challenge here. And um, I don't think it's one that the uh, Huskies can't overcome, but I do think it's going to make it more difficult for them in this game because Aztecs are a lot more athletic than people think. Those guys are uh, athletic and strong under the basket. And like I said, they, they crash the offensive boards and, um, They've got great team defense as well. And I think we talked a little bit too much about San Diego State's three-point defense going into the Final Four, but the you know statistics do sometimes lie. Aztecs are a really good three-point defensive team. But the uh, opponents in the uh, tournament were 16 for 94 from the field, and I thought that was a little bit deceiving because there were a lot of open looks that were missed, especially by Alabama and Creighton in those last two games. Now, what happened, Tim? Ford Atlantic came out, and the Owls hit six threes right away and finished nine for 22 from the game. So, uh, you know, that Aztecs defense is not airtight on the three-point line. So Connecticut's going to get plenty of uh, good looks from three. And I think they can hold their own in the middle enough to uh, to win this game. I don't think you are going to win this game going away. I don't think it's going to be a joke like some of these UConn uh, games have been. Um, but – yeah, San Diego State, because of its size and athletes and strength, should be able to, uh, I think, hold their ground against UConn. By the way, Tim, I do want to uh, say that we should give Fort Atlantic a hell of a lot of credit for uh, the way it played against San Diego State in that game. Uh, I thought the anybody who didn't believe in the Owls, we talked about this before the Final Four, Fort Atlantic was not a fluke. That's a tough team. It mm-hmm. brings a fight to you, and they're more athletic people think they got more shooters, more, uh, more players than people think. And uh, Fort Atlantic should have won that game against San Diego State. Uh, but sometimes that's what happens down the stretch where you're leading and you're you're playing the clock and playing not to lose. And the uh, the team that's chasing is more aggressive. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, Tim, what did how did you feel about? Uh, how did you feel about Fort Atlantic's last offensive possession there, with the uh, shot clock and game clock differential of about uh, six and a half seconds?
1: Yeah, I, I was sitting there, and honestly, I was just thinking about my bet and being like, "All right, hopefully, if San Diego State doesn't foul here, we should be in good spot here, uh, <laughs> yeah, was you too, know, for yeah. San Diego State to get to get us home." So uh, I was happy about it. I probably would have fouled if I were Brian Dutcher and extended the game a little bit more, but. You know they 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 took their time. They called timeout with what 17 seconds left to try to set up a a quality last play. They get to the bucket. You know nothing not not that great of a look. And um, you know San Diego State. I thought you know Matt Bradley wasn't even on the floor uh, on that. Final. I thought Dutcher would call timeout and he just let him go. Mm-hmm. And it, it was kind of you know reminiscent a little bit to the end of the Creighton game where you know San Diego State when they got that foul at the end of the elite eight, it was a broken play that they were able to get to the free throw line on. And, you know, Lamont Butler, it, it felt like, what the hell is he going to do? One of those, no, no, no. Oh, thank God. It went in type of plays. So, yeah, I mean, for Florida Atlantic, right. They're up 56 to 42 with 13 minutes and change to go. Um, And the, and the thing that, you know, we talked about in the podcast and why I ultimately, you know, got to the window on FAU was their depth, you know, and they started to get a little bit worn down. You could tell it, and they couldn't get any, I mean, my God, how many offensive rebounds were they going to allow on missed free throws? That was maddening. Um, but, you know, Elijah Martin was the one who stepped up for him. John L. Davis really didn't do much. Uh, Vlad Golden, the big guy who went crazy in the uh, in the Elite Eight game, didn't do much. They're just incredibly deep. And, you know, I'll say this, at least my final thought on, on FAU I really hope these players don't get poached. Uh, I know teams are going to come after them with NIL money. Uh, Miami might be one of them too. Um, but if none of these players get poached, Matt, uh, I believe only one of them has has exor- exhausted his eligibility. FAU with you know with Dusty May coming back next year, they're going to be preseason top ten uh, if if they don't you know have players taken off their roster. Uh, you know, via the transfer portal. They are, like you said, and I think we've been saying all throughout this tournament run, and I bet them now three consecutive games after going against them in the first round, they're legit and uh, they're not going anywhere if this team stays intact.
2: Yeah, it's interesting too to reflect on that selection Sunday. You know, you, you and I did a show and if you watched ESPN or any of the bracket shows that night, all the experts were advancing uh, Memphis in that bracket. Man, I can't wait to see Memphis and Purdue in the second round, right? And uh, Florida Atlantic and uh, Fairly Dickinson came out of that uh, pod. But I, the one player I really like is Elijah Martin. Uh, that's that's a guy that Florida Atlantic's yeah. got to hold on to. John L. Davis took that last shot. So the point I was going to make, Tim, I, I'm really disappointed in the uh, CBS broadcast uh, team. Talking about Bill Raftery and Grant Hill and Jim Nance. And um, sometimes I feel like all they're doing is sitting over there trying to uh, be clever and make each other laugh and really ignoring (laughs) what's going on in the game. You know, when uh, you call a timeout with 17 seconds left and the shot clock's a six-and-a-half-second differential, kind of like you, I'm in that gray area. Should Dutcher have fouled to extend the game? I thought it was right in that gray area where there's enough time on the clock that you don't have to do that because you can get a rebound and you still got, you know, maybe five, six seconds, you don't know what you're going to – somewhere around there that you can get off a shot and win the game. You're only going to need two to win the game. So, I didn't really disagree with what Dutcher did necessarily. It's it's kind of a 50-50 type of call. But here's where the Grant Hill and Bill Raftery, they got to step it up. And uh, Grant Hill's kind of like the Troy Aikman of college basketball analysts. Everything just Mr. Obvious. Just never gives you much insight. Everything just uh, – it's obvious that everybody can see. That's why he says. But um, How about when the shot clock... I was talking with Doug Kazarian of ESPN about this last night. Okay, how about when the shot clock is winding down, you put the ball in Elijah Martin's hands, and you have him put up a shot from 25 feet. It's yep. going to hit the rim. Long rebound. Yep, hits the rim. Uh, you get a, you're either going to get a long rebound, or you're going to run a lot more time off the clock, right? And by the time... San Diego State gets that rebound to race up court. By the way, you're gonna you're gonna have a couple guys back at half court to prevent some sort of fast break, and you wanna stop the uh Aztecs from uh pushing the ball up the court too fast. So you got you can't put send everybody into offensive rebound, but you send like Elijah Martin to take the shot, two guys to look for the long rebound, and then two guys back on defense. But if you take that shot with one second left or so on the shot clock and you get the long rebound, By the time the Aztecs get the ball and start to force it up court, there's going to be like three seconds left. Tim, they're going to have to hit like a half-court shot to win the game. Nobody even brought that up on the broadcast. Not not even a a mention of it. Hey, maybe here's what FAU should do. And I think that's where uh, the CBS broadcast team really came up short. You have to talk about that stuff. And that's why when um, you know we talk about football and basketball and how coaches can screw up game and clock management situations a lot of times that's why handicappers gamblers odds makers that's why we're better at game management situations and a lot of the coaches and analysts they don't think it through that way or they get caught in the moment somebody's got to bring that up tim that had to be an option
1: yeah no it's a great point uh when you when you put it that way and um you know, I, yeah, they, they certainly were fortunate. You know, you get the, the, the easy rebound and you're able to bring it up, even though I thought right. the play was a bit broken. I thought Dutcher was going to call a timeout. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you how many three-pointers do we see get, you know, bounce long, it's a scramble, it's a loose ball? Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. if San Diego State comes up with it, maybe they call timeout with, you know, three or two seconds to go. But, um, yeah, I mean, for San Diego State, um, you know, I'll give them credit for this, right? They were down – what, eight early in the second half against Alabama. Looked like things were getting away. Dutcher calls a timeout, completely flips the game right there. And, you know, to be down 14 with an offense that we know is not great and and to still battle back. So, you know, looking at San Diego State, Matt, you know, right out of the shoe, we talked about it on Thursday. You know, I thought, I think we both agreed, okay, we felt like Florida Atlantic could have success from three. There was some positive regression due for that San Diego State three-point defense but we both I think expected Matt Bradley to play well and he came out and couldn't miss right out of the shoot I mean he was hitting everything and he finished with 21 points in the game now cooled off a little bit as the game went on there but what are you expecting from Matt Bradley on Monday night are you expecting more of what we saw on Saturday as opposed to what we saw the previous couple of rounds where he was completely lost uh, offensively for San Diego State.
2: So Bradley had 17 points in the first tournament game, and then in the next three he had a total of 18, and he was 6 for 27 from the floor, 0 oh for 6 from 3. And Wes Reynolds kept saying this week, I don't know if Wes is a, a psychic or what, but he kept saying this week, I got a feeling Matt Bradley's going to have a big game. And... uh <laughs> Damn it, if Matt Bradley didn't come out and hit his first three three pointers and he looked like Caitlin Clark, you know? And uh, he was on fire. So Wes called that one. He called it Matt Bradley's uh, shooting slump ended. Uh, I don't know what you expect to get for you. You're not going to get that same type of game from him on Monday night. Uh, I think you get something in the middle, probably where Bradley scores around 12 points and has an okay shooting night. Somebody. For San Diego State, it's going to have to be red hot for the Aztecs to hang in this game and have a ch- chance to win it late. And not just one, it's probably going to have to be two players. It could be Bradley, it could be Trammell, it could be someone else, it could be Adam Seiko, who sometimes comes off the bench and is uh, instant offense from three point range has been a little quiet in this tournament. But I've seen games where Seiko has lit it up from three. So that's going to be the wild card when you handicap this, Tim. Uh, is there going to be a couple players for San Diego State step up and get really hot? because sometimes that happens in games like this. But like I said, I'll stick with my handicap here. I think UConn's just too strong in all areas. Probably going to win the game by 6 to 12 points. I mean, that's kind of a wide range, but that's kind of what I think is going to happen. And now i got to determine how much I'm going to bet on San Diego State if I can get plus 8, which I'm sure I can get plus 8 on Monday. Yeah, but That's a respectable middle shot. You know, When you got a winning bet in your pocket, you don't want to give any money back. Yep. Uh, but And I would be stunned if UConn lost this game. But at the same time, eight points is a, a pretty decent uh, middle shot here. So I'll put a little something on, I don't know, maybe 20% on San Diego State plus eight. Because um, I think the Aztecs can hang in and make this a close game. Even if you break it down by X's and O's, I think it makes sense. But also, Tim, everyone everyone is expecting UConn to win this game in a runaway. And, you know, when everyone thinks one way, it's usually not that easy.
1: Yeah. Uh, once again, as we reference what we just witnessed on Sunday in the right. Women's National Championship, everybody was all over Iowa and LSU drops 102 on them. So uh, I'll point this out. Um, UConn in the non-conference this year, this includes the NCAA tournament, 16-0. 15 and 1 against the spread. All Ooh. 16 of those wins have come by double figures. Um, since January 31st, UConn 14 and 2 straight up, 13 and 3 ATS. Um, but since that date, the Aztecs, San Diego State, best team in the country defensively, uh, according to Bart Torvik. So, yeah, I think this is what it boils down to because I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast, hopefully, you know, found a, a comparable number uh, that you gave out. I tailed it as well. We had a couple people tweet us, you know, uh, their, uh, their tickets. So I, I would kind of be in the camp as well, because I, I do feel like, look, this is a San Diego state team. I bet them to make the sweet 16. I bet a, I bet on them in the sweet 16 against Alabama went against them uh, with Creighton and then did bet against them in the Final Four. But I believe in this San Diego State team. I believe they're a very well-coached team uh, with Brian Dutcher. Uh, I like the fact that they've got size and athletes that I think can that can keep up with this UConn team. But I do worry about the offense, because we've seen how many stretches, Matt, this San Diego State team, maybe outside of Saturday night where they played pretty well offensively, they can run into these, these long stretches where they don't score and UConn will absolutely, you know, pick you apart. I mm-hmm. guess final thought for me on the UConn aspect, as you alluded to, you know, Jordan Hawkins gutted it out, hit a couple big threes. Late in that game, I don't know if you picked up on this, he looked just wiped when he was uh-huh. shooting his free throws. And I think, you know, this. he's going to be a different player. I mean, he's going to be a first-round pick. He's the most talented player on the floor uh, come Monday night. And if you're getting him at full strength, Uh, it's a different ball game there for UConn. Andre Jackson got into some foul trouble early too. So he had to hit the bench early in that first half. Uh, So you assume he won't hit in the foul trouble again. I I think this UConn team has got too much firepower, but I'm kind of in the spot where you're at, where I'm thinking if this was just a normal game, I think you and I would be looking to take the points with San Diego State. We're sitting in an advantageous spot. So I think ultimately our decision is, And the biggest question as we, as we head out here is what's the number we wait for and how much of, how much percentage do we put down on a possible hedge? Because you like, like you mentioned, I mean, an eight point middle is a, is a pretty good middle opportunity there.
2: Yeah. And I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to give too much back. I don't want to give the books a refund because I feel like we got a winner. We're sitting on a winner in UConn, uh, I'd be stunned if uh, the Huskies don't win it Monday night. It's, uh, you know, if you don't think eight points is enough, you can also live bet this. I talked about it before the Florida Atlantic game. And, Tam, I said I made a small pregame bet, FAU plus two and a half. But I was also going to live bet the game because I wanted to get more. All these San Diego State games come down to the wire, so I wanted to grab a few more points. So I thought that was going to be a lot more valuable. I actually got Florida Atlantic plus seven and a half minus 117, you know, like, I think, eight minutes into the game, not long into the game. So if you don't like the plus eight, if you're not sure, just wait. Maybe you can grab a better number with uh, the Aztecs uh, live wagering because, let's face it, Miami, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of sharp bettors who thought Miami plus six was a great bet on Saturday. Not long into that game, you could have had Miami plus 11.5, right? And uh, you also could have grabbed Miami plus 15.5 at one point. So if, uh, if you don't want to commit to too much pregame, on the Aztecs you can also live bet it but I'll have a small I'll probably play this like the FAU I'll just go bet a small pre-game bet on San Diego State plus eight and I might try to grab more points on live wagering if I feel like it depending on uh how the game is unfolding but I feel like we're sitting on a winner with UConn I'd be stunned if it's not a winner.
1: UConn and uh San Diego State wrapping up the season, total sitting at 132.5 as me and Matt talk on this Sunday afternoon, a spread of 7.5 and and, uh, early movement heavily towards UConn, and uh, hopefully uh, we can end the year on a winner, Matt. We've had a pretty good run here in the NCAA tournament, and uh, hopefully we can uh, wrap it up with a winner with your UConn to win it. Uh, in uh, From the final four on at minus 108, minus 110, minus 115, whatever you were able to grab it at. Uh, before we get out of here, um, any thoughts on the total in this game sitting there at 132? It looks like at circa, it opened at 129.5. Steady movement towards the over. Uh, a lot of people thought the under was the play, Matt, in San Diego State FAU. First half under, full game under. Uh, I fortunately stayed away. I was almost enticed to go first half under, uh, but, uh, I stayed away. Both gate, both of those went over. So any thought of this early line movement and, uh,
2: what we should do with the total here? I tend to agree with movement over the total, but you know, as I said many times, I, I hate totals. Totals annoy me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think uh, they're a little bit more random and, uh, I, just, I would have a lean to the over. I think the uh, the move initial move is the right one here. So San Diego State had played 12 straight unders before that Final Four semi went over. <laughs> so uh, every, everyone thought that was going to be a low-scoring game, the so-called rock fight, and that did not happen. So um, no, no real strong opinion on the total. But, Tim, I do want to mention before we go, great job by you lining up former Notre Dame coach Mike Bray on the previous podcast. I had a lot of people comment, uh to me in the last few days I thought that was a really good podcast. I think that's great that you were able to get Mike Bray on and uh hopefully we can Mike, we can make Mike Bray regular. Let's get him on every week next year.
1: Why not? Yeah. Let's yeah. what else is he gonna be doing? He's gonna be hanging out watching basketball. Uh no it was great and uh appreciate him uh jumping on with us. That was uh that was a lot of fun and uh some good insight and uh he thought UConn was the best team and uh, certainly still look the part as we head into the championship game. So hopefully we can cash our final ticket of the year, maybe get a little frisky, get a little middle action. That would be wonderful, Uh, but that's going to do it. Uh, Once again, thank you to everyone who has listened, rated, reviewed, and most importantly, subscribed to this podcast. Uh, We will have some college football podcasts for you periodically during the offseason, so make sure you check out the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. And before we know it, Matt Newman's. Notre Dame and Navy will be playing over in Dublin in late August. So uh, we'll rest up and we'll be ready to go talking college football in uh, just a short
2: four months. Uh, You bet. Great job hosting the podcast, Tim. And uh, enjoy your summer. I'll see you in August. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know where you'll be. We'll just, uh, we'll take the time off. Uh, as uh, just, uh, I think as everyone knows, but uh, you know, you got to always promote v Prime primetime from six to 9 PM Eastern followed by the uh, award-winning v tonight with Wes Reynolds and Matt Newman's nine to midnight Eastern. Uh, thanks to Matt Newman's, Adam Burke uh, for contributing to this podcast all throughout the college basketball season. I am Tim Murray, I'll say it. Let's go UConn. Let's bring home one final ticket to cash this college basketball season. This has been the v College Basketball Betting Podcast.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.